Good morning, listeners, and welcome to the final, the very last, last ever real episode of Riddles in the Dark, brought to you by the Mythgard Institute. I'm your co-host, Dave Kale, and I am simultaneously thrilled to be here, especially given what it took for me to get here, um, almost on time, but also just deeply, deeply saddened that this will be our final episode ever. Um, so we need to make Riddle the most episode. of it. Riddle episode. Riddle episode. Okay, yeah, final episode ever. Final now, this is actually something that, you know, I, I, I tweeted about that yesterday, and people were like, oh, I'm so sorry to see it end. And I'm like, wait, hang on, no, it's not oh, ending, no. actually. We're milking uh, this thing through, through at least February and possibly <laughs> yeah, mid-March. There's lots more to so talk about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the, but, of course, the point of what we're doing is the shift from doing predicting to just to doing analysis of what's there so and that is you know, to, to, to me i mean i really love both phases but of course you know the analysis is is is, is really my very favorite part so um, so yes the only th- is, we're, we're still going to do episodes we're just not going to be doing riddles anyway you know today is the we'll very be, last riddle we we'll shall be ever figuring propose. out you know as we do the analysis we'll be going up oh, got that one wrong oh, exactly got that one wrong <laughs> yeah 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 that that actually is one of the most fun parts of the um, of the of the riddle game, going through and seeing how many we got wrong. That's, That's right. right. That's, That's right. right. And actually, and, and, I told Corey that, in my mind, it's not the game's not truly over until our next episode, which is our review of all the riddles episode. So I'm right. holding out. Right. Right. I'm yes. not going to start crying until that episode. <laughs> <laughs> there won't be a new riddle next week, but we will still be talking about the riddles next right. week. So we right. do we next do have that. Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. So, so in that case, we should we should just get along and and get going because I cannot wait to get to start talking about uh, Messrs. Grub, Grub, and Bunnos. And so, Burrows, yeah, exactly, absolutely. Um, and so, um, uh, let me introduce my co-hosts, Trish Lambert and the Tolkien professor Corey Olson. In case you weren't, well, who had no idea who those Aware mysterious voices talking. talking were. Who had not <laughs> right. introduced. Just in case you didn't know what podcast you were listening yeah. to, and are like, "Hey, what the heck is this?" Right. Yeah. 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 I thought this was Science Friday. <laughs> yeah. So we are we are very appropriately on our final riddle episode, talking about the last stage and Bilbo's return home. Right, Corey. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, <clears throat> there there are several things that we can, you know, that we that we should sort of touch on today. Um, uh, there are, of course, some some sort of smaller issues of what exactly will happen to Bilbo on the way home. You know, how will his journey home be handled uh, in the film? You know, you'll remember in the Return of the King, we got all of these like sort of detached scenes, you know, these sort of flashes of, of, of scenes as we went through. Um, and, uh, you know, which were not really very like connected. So, you know, we didn't really get a narrative of the, of like the, the end of the story, you know, not only did we not get the scouring of the Shire, we didn't really get a narrative of their entire journey home. We just got these, you know, these, these scenes, um, which ended at the Grey Havens. So I think that one question is going to be how they're going to handle that. Of course, we want to talk about Bilbo's character arc and uh, and and where he ends up in the story. Um, thinking, of course, about that line, that wonderful line at the beginning of the published Hobbit. You, you know, you'll remember at the start of chapter one, where the narrator says he may have lost the neighbor's respect, but he gained. Well, you will see whether he gained anything in the end. Uh, and so, I, I want to ask that question: What will 
Bilbo have gained at the, if anything, at the end uh, of the film version? Um, how will Bilbo's character be changed? Um, and of course, we're going to want to talk about his relationship with the Ring as well, and you know that's obviously a, a, a very much larger, more looming question in the film version than in the book version. But I want to start with none of these things because I want to start with something that we are likely to lose sight of once we get started talking about uh, Bilbo's character, um, and that is the frame narrative. I want to uh, I, I, I I I want to think about how you know that that whole the 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 sort of pre-Fellowship of the Ring frame that we got um, at the beginning of film one. Are we going to go back to Elijah Wood at the end of the last uh, at, at the end of the last film? Are we going to return to that frame and Bilbo writing the book down, the book that he said wasn't ready for reading yet? Um, it looked like we could expect we're going to come back to that. Are we going to get that at the end? And if so, what and how are we going to get that? We we ended the frame at the beginning of film one with Frodo setting off to go meet Gandalf. So that seems to set it up for a you know sort of a seamless um, uh, you know segue into the Fellowship of the Ring film. So you, know, you talk about continuity um, with with the other film, and it's you know that's pretty clear, right? That's pretty simple. Um, are we, does that mean we're not going to return to it, That's or are we going to return to it? Huh? And it seems like it seems like I don't know why I hadn't thought of that until just this moment. But it seems like if certainly if we're going to return to that frame, we're not going to return at that point in time. Um, I right. kind of wonder, you know, especially this is this is um, just rampant speculation based on um, no real information, which is what we're famous for here. But yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We prefer to speculate without information yes. at Riddles in the Dark. Actually, we're, we're opposed to information. Yes. It's part of the uh, charm of the game. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And actually, and this is based, and it's not even based on no information, it's based on things that probably aren't information that I'm construing as such. But, <laughs> yeah, but even better. The sense, the sense I got at the, the panel, the Warner Brothers panel at Comic-Con, where the very first thing they did was show us a montage of clips from the entire, you know, well, not from all six films because there weren't clips from the new film, but from all previous five films. Kind of gives you the sense, similar to when um, Star Trek Enterprise did its final episode, and they they didn't use it to wrap up just that individual TV series. They they used it to wrap up the franchise and brought back characters from Next Generation and stuff. I kind of wonder if maybe we're going to go back to the frame, but go back to it at a point in time in the Lord of the Rings story that seems appropriate to wrapping up um, uh, the entire the entire six film um, uh, monolithic film experience. Um, so maybe something like post even post destruction of the Ring. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. I mean, I, there are basically okay. I mean, like, let's think about options here. One option would be essentially to for this to be a bag end thing, um, where we either see Bilbo alone or we see Bilbo with Frodo again, mm -hmm. um, or even Bilbo with Gandalf. Because there's presumably, you know, like you know, we got that time of like the two of them sitting and and blowing smoke rings right before the party. Um, 
we could get more, presumably they had more conversation than happened on the screen there, right? So maybe we could, we could, he could try to sort of tag that in, like we're going to get like extra footage from that conversation that, you know, we didn't hear about before. Um, I, I could imagine something like that, right? So, okay, so, so we've got Bilbo and back in. One other obvious opportunity would be for them to end it with Bilbo at Rivendell, right? When he's gone to Rivendell and he's aging and he's, um, finished his book. Remember, there's that scene in The Fellowship of the Ring when he shows his book to Frodo, and Frodo's like, you know, you've nearly finished it. Um, and that would seem to connect also with the line at the, in film one where he says it's not ready for reading yet. We know that he does show it to, to Frodo in Rivendell, again, in, 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 in film in the Fellowship of the Ring film. Mm -hmm. So that would be another possibility that we get him in Rivendell finishing it and looking forward to giving it to Frodo when Frodo arrives. You know, with some like conversation between him and Elrond talking about how he's, you know, like Frodo is coming and that kind of thing. Um, a third possibility, Dave, thinking, thinking in the direction that you just were would be something like the Grey Havens or even like old Bilbo and and uh, you know Elrond and Galadriel setting out for the Grey Havens. Yes. Um, uh, at the end. Oh, that. Yeah, you know. So you know we see them meet up with Frodo, you know, and Sam in the Shire in the Return of the King film. Yeah. So we see like that party set out from Rivendell. Again, that, that's I'm 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 not here predicting what I think is going to happen. I'm just thinking through possibilities. Maybe you know, they can what get are the Billy options? Boyd in there. <laughs> we'll have all of them come back. We'll see all all those hobbits. Right. All right. Hang on. Uh, Billy Boyd's agent is calling now, actually, and I think <laughs> yes, yes. We're gonna see if we can do that. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's possible. You know, uh, Gabrielle Wilson is asking: Is it possible it could take place in Minas Tirith? That uh, possibly, possibly. Uh, you know, uh, that would be really that would be kind of fun. Um, and to basically have that be uh, a kind of nod to the quest of Erebor, you know, a nod to Appendix A when, you know, they're sitting around and talking about, hey, Gimli's in there, John Rhys-Davies would be delighted. Um, but, uh, but anyway, you know, that, to have some kind of nod to that, that, that could also theoretically work. Um, but, uh, but anyway, uh, I'm not sure I believe in any of those later scenarios. Um, it seems to me that the narrative impetus of the beginning of the film. I mean, I'm again, I'm thinking back to the the sort of the seeds that were planted at the beginning, of, beginning at the beginning of film one, and it's all about Bilbo and Frodo, right? Mm -hmm. In his narrative, in his voiceover, he talks about like he's addressing Frodo uh, and saying, you know, Frodo, like I've never told you the real story before, but now I'm going to tell you the full story. But then there's also, that's balanced with this scene, the live action scene, in which, you know, Elijah Wood comes up and tries to look at the thing and he hides it and says it's not ready for, it's not ready yet. Um, so that would seem to me to suggest that the natural completion of the frame narrative is him, you know, him showing it to Frodo mm -hmm. um, or him giving it. So th that kind of leans me towards the Rivendell thing. Um, plus, it seems to me, especially given the, the 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 way that they went out of their way to um, uh, to 
put in a sort of an Easter egg for movie fans there in uh, in film one that is you know with with Frodo going off to wait for Gandalf. Um, right. It makes me think that they might put in. So if they were to put in a reference to the Rivendell scenes from the Fellowship of the Ring, um, that would seem sort of fitting. Of course, all these things, Minas Tirith, this stuff. When we, when, uh, when we ask, is the, is it possible? Is this po possibility? Yes, in the sense of, is that a, is a great idea? Uh, but do we actually believe they'll do it? <laughs> Probably. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting because I mean, I, I, you guys are like taking me to a whole new level here because I had never really thought about it being anything other than just a continuation of the front, you know, the front frame. Mm. Um, and I hadn't thought about it, you know, so, I mean, I'm now kind of struck dumb. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I love, I love, uh, I love Kate Neville's last suggestion. We'll end with Frodo telling it all to Tom Bombadil. <laughs> yeah. End it with a party at Farmer Maggot's house, you know, there like you go. Bombadil goes a boating and, and, uh, and, and Tom Bombadil shows up and, and they're all talking about it. Yeah. That's, 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 I think the most natural ending. Yes, that's yeah. right. After all the after the controversy, well over a decade about whether Tom Bombadil should have been included in the film or not, they'll just shoehorn him in here. That's right, because it's it would naturally fit. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very um, interesting. I, I I mean I have to imagine that they'll do something, something you know that more than likely they're going to do something simple. Uh, you know, and sort of minimal effort, like or not minimal effort, but like. I don't think it's going to be elaborate. It's hard to imagine them doing Minas Tirith. It's more than likely going to take place in the Shire, a set they've already built. Um, you know, or more than likely they film also a set they've already built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I imagine um, it'll take place at a. They probably filmed it at the same time they filmed the the beginning frame story. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, it's fun to imagine the the more elaborate possibilities. I think it I think it would be really exciting if they did it at Minas Tirith, but um, but I imagine Shire is more likely. I'm just not sure where they would do it. Yeah, yeah, I I, I certainly agree. I think that Minas Tirith, Minas Tirith is the least likely of them. Though again, it's not that that couldn't fit. I think it could fit, but I don't think it's very likely at all. Um, I don't think that any. As cool as I, I, I mean, I really kind of like the cut the frame to the end of the Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. chronology. That's that's a really cool idea, and I really, I'm kind of the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of falling in love with my what's set out for the Grey Havens ending. I think that would be an awesome ending. I don't think they're going to do it though. Um, uh, you know, to have a conversation between Elrond and Bilbo and Galadriel. There at the end, as they as they set off for the for the Grey Havens, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I do though think that we're going to need to get closure on the opening of the story, and that's why I'm coming back to Rivendell. There, um, uh, Sharon Hoff says that uh, you know Jackson Jackson knows the generic audience needs to have the easy closing back at Bag End, leading directly into the Lord of the Rings trilogy franchise. I I hear that, but he did that at the beginning. I mean, like, if if that was his goal, if his goal was just to link it back to the Fellowship of the Ring, then um, 
he uh, uh, he he should have put what he put at the end of the first frame at the end. You know, like it, it, he would have the the film end with Frodo saying, "Oh, hey, I'm going to go meet Gandalf." Right? Uh, if that were his goal, that's what he would have done. The fact that he did that at the beginning and not at the end shows, I think, that he's not going to be looking just to. To, to, to create a, a segue so that you can put in the next DVD right away, you know, as soon as you stop watching film three. That doesn't seem to be the goal. I, I like that. I mean, I do. I, I, that's, now that's my preferred ending is like at the Hall of Fire, Bilbo sitting with, you know, Gan, and, uh, Elrond is kind of at his elbow and he's finishing off the story to Frodo. Um, that would be cool. I, I, Unfortunately, I think that Sharon might be right. He may go for this, you know, the idiot factor, you know, the lowest common denominator audience factor. But I think it would be an elegant ending to have it be at Rivendell, you know, when Frodo's just beginning the quest and has arrived there and is healing from his Morgul blade wound. Ah, Morgul blade wound. You know, that could be a way to tie that that Morgul blade back in again. Um. Uh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's possible. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, Corey is one oh. of the most polite people that I that know. Is, you know, th- <laughs> you know is, he never goes. You are full of it. He no, never no. does that. No, I think this. I think we're onto something here. Because remember, he said that Morgul Blade yes, is the same one, right? He did. I think the frame story will return to the frame story at the at Weathertop. At Weathertop. <laughs> and see, here's what came of that blade. Because <laughs> really, that's the whole focal point. Right? That's right. Everything that's else right. has been incidental. That 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 knife is the really the heart of the story. That's right. That's right. And Aragorn will go, "Oh my God, these are the dudes that you know escaped their tombs <laughs> last, last week." <laughs> right. Right. Now, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I do agree with uh, with Kate Neville, however, that if the final frame scene is in Rivendell, um, I too insist on an adolescent uh, Estelle uh, cameo. Like that has oh, to happen. Yeah. Has to happen, right? I mean, has to like, happen. seriously, come on, people. There's no excuse. Oh. Um, oh. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, oh, that's a that's a wonderful idea. It, what it, what a contrast it would be with, um, uh, you know, the the scene we'd speculated about over and over again of them turning on the eyeball at Barad-dûr, but then right. what if what if they contrast that with Estelle? Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Like uh, you know, Bilbo meeting Estelle, or of course, yeah. You know what the yeah. irony of that would be, Corey. If they did that, what? and they were like, "Oh, look, here's the hope of the the king soon to return," that it basically retcons their entire change to Aragorn's character in the films, where it's like, "No, no, no, I, I'm not really into that." Oh crap! I forgot. See, I keep blocking out that <laughs> aspect, cause, which I still think to this day is like the silliest aspect of the of the Lord of the Rings films. Um, and I, I think even when I'm watching the films, I try to ignore that that exists, uh, you know, yeah. which is not good, I guess. That is to pretend that I'm watching a different story than I, in fact, am watching. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's theoretically a problem there. However, yeah, um, no, that's true. But he would still be in hiding, right, or yeah. something. He would still be there. 
Um, they don't seem actually to have... It's one of the things that makes their bizarre change in The Lord of the Rings so puzzling to me is that they don't seem, as far as I can tell, to have changed any of the actual chronology of Aragorn's life. You know, that is, he's still about the same age um, as he is in the books. He seems to have the same kind of history. That is, we see his mom's tomb there at Rivendell, and we see, um, you know, he talks about having ridden with the Rohirrim, and, and uh, you know, so, like, he has this, but just somewhere along the way, the whole, like, I don't think I should be king thing bizarrely enters in. Whatever. <laughs> but, um... Also, this would be a great tie-in to the uh, future Adventures of Thorondor TV series. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, which uh, well, they did. It, you know, they did do that. What they did do the Young Indiana Jones right TV show, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Young Hercules. So oh, yeah, man. I mean, there's a there's a precedent here. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, isn't that the material though that Peter Jackson actually referred to as you know one of the things that he was you know, when he was pointing to, like, how much more material there was. Um, I mean, I seem to recall an interview in which Jackson actually pointed to that stuff. Um, the oh, Thorngill material. Yeah, the, like, all, all those things that happen in, you know, in between uh, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. I know oh, I'm yeah. not, like, imagining this. I, I'm no, sure I think that he this did. happened. I think he did. Somebody go uh, find it. Yeah, I guess <laughs> It's possible that I made that up, but I don't think I made that up. Um, anyway, yeah. So there's, um, there's, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll see. I still, I, I, I still, even if they don't explain it at all, I still want to, I, I still want a, an Estelle cameo in Rivendell. I was hoping for one the first time. I'll, I'll be hoping even more the second time, but or the third if we get it in the frame, but. Um, Okay, well, but no, if it happens in the frame, if it happens in the frame, I would think it would be chronologically forward. I would think it would be, um, we would need Viggo Mortensen if if uh, yes. if uh, if he appeared in the frame. <laughs> given his <laughs> given his recent comments, I think there's very little chance he'll be invited back to participate. Right. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. So okay, um, I guess the bigger question is what is going to be the, I mean, it's, it's, it's raising some really interesting questions, which I haven't really thought through, which is what are the larger issues involved in the, or rather, you know, what, what larger issues does the frame bring in? What kind of closure are they going to have? What kind of relationship are they going to try to go for between, uh, between this, uh, this series of films and the prior series of films? Um, how much you know are they gonna are they gonna see this as kind of a closure moment right um you know dave and as much as uh, as much as i hate to to bring up bad memories for everyone again the thing is the parallel between star wars episode three and this oh. is very close in the <laughs> sense that we have like it's, it's it's the only other example like this I can think of where we have another film which is the capstone of a three film trilogy, but which is a which is a all of which is a prequel to you know another three film trilogy that is very well known and loved and which happened several years before. Obviously, the situations are not the same, but the the parallel between those circumstances and thinking not about how well or 
poorly it was executed uh, in the Star Wars films, but rather just thinking about the situation that confronted them and, and how they decide, how they attempted to approach linking the end of film of, of you know of the third one backwards to the beginning of film four, which was you know shot decades before. Um, that's the same. Those those questions are the same questions that that confront the Hobbit film, and so that's why uh, thinking of these things in the last couple episodes has compelled me to. Uh, think more about Star Wars Episode Three than I have ever since I left the theater and deliberately chose never to think about that film again. Um, uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, I mean, I, I you know, and there again, I go back to there. There, they certainly did not go towards any final closure. There was no, there, you know, Dave, the the, like the Star Trek thing you were talking about. Mm-hmm. They didn't do anything like that, right? Yeah. You know, they didn't do any of the like this is the end of the franchise kind of gestures. But I could imagine them doing something like that with the Hobbit. I think that the you know the Hobbit is definitely in a different place in that way, mm-hmm. um, and the the primary the primary thing that I guess I would say about that is that although although there is one sense in which and this is the context in which we were discussing this last time with the question of uh, of what's the attitude towards you know the future war going to be at the mountain. Um, uh, there is one sense in which the end of this film has to set up the action that comes later, you know, that this is just going to be setting the stage for, you know, what we're going to see in, you know, in, in film one, episode four, which happened, which was released years ago, but it's not as, imp- it's not as imperative. Again, the star Wars, the first star Wars trilogy was all building towards, you know, the Genesis of Darth Vader. Right, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that that was the end point. Like Darth Vader had to come to be, so it was really just an explanation of how Darth Vader came to be. There isn't any comparable thing to that here. You know, there's 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 no you know, it's not like we don't really need like how did Bilbo of the Shire end up with the ring? Like that's just not as pressing a question as how did Darth Vader come to be? You know, um, there isn't any there isn't any similar kind of end point. So like you know. Uh, like you know, Anakin Skywalker getting the you know the the Darth Vader suit put on him, that was the again although executed comically that was the that was the 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 logical terminus of that film. There's no similar moment here um, in the Hobbit that this is pushing towards. So therefore, I could see them going to a more Dave, as you suggested, sort of franchise-ending moment at the end of the film. Yeah, interesting. interesting. So, should we talk about uh, Bilbo's return journey? Yeah, we probably should. We probably should. Okay. Um, so, let's talk. You know, let's 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 talk about the actual journey. Um, yes, it's time for our how... Tolkien professor teaching moment. <laughs> right, and here we get. You know, in the film, it's it's fairly. Sp- Sporadic and episodic. In fact, there's there there's you know uh, notably that really interesting passage about how because when they go they don't go through Mirkwood although they're friends with the elves and stuff and you'd think like the Elven King could maybe give them a, like an escort through Mirkwood to so that's like you know we'll help you like not to starve to death and everything um, but uh, but no they don't do that instead they go around the mountains to the north. And uh, and it takes them a long time. Them being Gandalf and Bilbo and Bjorn, 
um, who are going home together to Bjorn's house, and it takes them a long time, and they have many adventures which we're not told about, which we are told that we're not going to be told about. Um, so the ending of the uh, the ending of the book is focused on not sort of a narrative, but it does sort of jump from one place to another. Then a bunch of stuff happened. So, you know, they said goodbye to the dwarves. Then he says goodbye to the Elven King. And then a bunch of stuff happened, which I'm not going to tell you about, but then they ended up back in Bjorn's house, and we get a glimpse of closure not only to Bjorn's story, but to the woodmen in the whole region and the establishment of the new realm under Bjorn there. Um, and, uh, uh, and then there's uh and and then we get him going back to rivendell we get a couple other flashes my favorite of which is when as they're climbing up the mountains and he looks back and he can just see the lonely mountain in the distance and uh and uh you know he has that moment where he reflects on um uh, you know, so I, I, I'll, I'll read it. There far away was the lonely mountain on the edge of eyesight. On its highest peak, snow yet unmelted was gleaming pale. So comes snow after fire, and even dragons have their endings, said Bilbo. And he turned his back on his adventure. The Turkish part was getting very tired, and the Baggins was daily getting stronger. I wish now only to be in my own armchair, he said. Um, so we get, we, get, we get a couple moments like that of Bilbo sort of uh, commenting on uh, his adventure, on on you know, so seeing how Bilbo's own perspective has um, increased. Um, so, anyway, I think that that's, and then of course this culminates in the moment when he's returning to the Shire, and he we get very little time, you know, at at Rivendell, mostly just elf singing, and then. Uh, we it really is the majority of what happens in Rivendell is like elf song, really, um, two elf songs. Remember, not just one. We not just the reprise of Tralalalali, but uh, <clears throat> but the elf lullaby song, um, which if there is a song in in The Hobbit which is totally superfluous, it has to be that one, right? I mean, like we really don't need the elf singing a lullaby to Bilbo, but we get it, and it's pretty cool. So um, anyhow. Uh, then we get his commentary on returning to the Shire, and the and most notably his roads go his roads go ever ever on song, um, that he you know this poem that just emerges from him as he comes into sight, of uh, of the hill, from a distance. So this is the focus of the book, right? The focus of the book in his return journey is in closing up stories, right? The story of the dwarves in Erebor, the story of the Elven King, the story of Bjorn, um, to some extent, the story of Elrond and the Elves, though that's not really like a narrative and it doesn't exactly get closed, but we at least return to it. And then, of course, the closing of, the, of Bilbo's own character and of his own journey and the fulfillment of his, you know, constant visions of, or repeated, not constant, uh, visions of Bag End and his desire to be back in his own armchair with the kettle just beginning to sing. Um, do we think we're going to get a similar thing? Are we going to get how much footage? Do you think we're going to get of his return journey? How much time do you think we're going to get on the completion of stories like that? Uh, 
I can't imagine we're going to get very much time devoted to that. It is hard, given how much stuff is happening in the film. It's hard to imagine we're going to be like, and now half an hour of return journey. <laughs> hard to imagine. I mean, I could see like a montage showing him, you know, trudging over the mountains and passing by the the uh, dwarf stat. I mean, the troll statues waving at the elves at Rivendell, you know, passing Weathertop. I mean, all in about like thirty seconds. And then he hits Hobbiton and the auction. But we won't go there yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's... it's. Well, I guess all I would say here is that some of the stories are definitely going to need closure. Um, <clears throat> the Bjorn story needs closure, but it, it, the other thing it needs... It, it, it not only needs an end, though, it needs a beginning which it didn't really have. That might um, happen in Erebor, actually. Possibly. Before he leaves, right? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, that could be done there. Um, you know, we you don't have to go back and spend Christmas at Bjorn's house in order to... <laughs> uh, which is what Bilbo does in the book. Um, uh, in order to establish closure with Bjorn. Um, yeah, I agree. A conversation with Bjorn before he shambles off into the distance uh, uh, could close Bjorn's story. Um... Yeah, yeah. I agree with Kate Neville that we must get the Road Goes Ever Ever On poem. Um, I, I suspect that that's going to happen. Um, I hope that that's going to happen. Um, but, uh... Well, that might be yeah. what accompanies, you know, like the voiceover for a, for a travel montage. <laughs> Which will be turned into a short called Sea Middle Earth. <laughs> It is. Put <laughs> out by the Ariador Tourist Bureau. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm kind of of two minds about this because, uh, on the one hand, when you look at when you look at sort of the precedent that was set by Lord of the Rings, where it had an incredibly involved return journey, and they just yes. and they literally chopped it down to the the four hobbits riding into. Um, um, riding into the Hobbiton, wearing their outlandish clothes, um, you know, making eye contact with that grouchy neighbor from earlier in the film, you know, and just kind of riding in, and then, you know, Grey Havens and stuff. Uh, and so it's like, well, if they chop that down, what are they going to do here where it's much less substantive, um, though no less important? On the other hand, there's maybe more of the oper like, on the other hand, the precedent that's been set with The Hobbit is they tend to take things and expand them. So maybe there is right. a possibility. I mean, I'm always, as always, I'm worried about time with this film because they have to pack in Battle of Dol Guldur, Battle of Five Armies, Smaug's death, uh, Smaug's attack, Smaug's death. It's hard to imagine them giving a lot of time to the auction. Uh, but, you know, um, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I do think a lot of that could be done efficiently. Um, here, actually, hang on a second. Um, Trish, get, could you, do you have a, a headset? I think it's from you. We're getting a little bit of feedback. Okay, let um, me turn my my thing off here. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if you have a if if you have a headset or something. I'm getting a, it's a little more than usual. Um, anyway, um, I, I am I am uh, a little uncertain about. 
Well, okay. I do think that the the auction, for instance, could be done very efficiently. This is this my objection to people who say things like this won't ever be included because there just isn't time. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, okay, no, it's not going to be done in full. I mean, we're not going to we're not going to get a ten minute scene with the auction, but we don't need a ten minute scene with the auction. Um, and I said, I think it was I think it was in the supererogatory that I said. Um, you know, we could get a, 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 an, an auction scene which would kind of satisfy me, um, which is simply, you know, uh, Ian McKellen and Martin Freeman coming over the rise and we see the sign and we get a few shots of like, uh, you know, hobbits carrying furniture away and, uh, you know, the auctioneer and uh, and Lobelia Sackville Baggins who turns around and sees Bilbo and puts her hands behind her back uh, and and then Martin Freeman's face right as he's as he's like looking at the auction and that would be, and I'd, I would I, I would be fine with that like that whole sequence could take literally 30 seconds of screen time um, and we don't need to have any action. No one even needs. We don't even need dialogue. No one even needs to speak. He just comes home and he sees this all happening, and we're given shown enough shots to understand what what's going on. And then we get uh, a, a a a classic Martin Freeman facial expression, and then it cuts to a to a final scene, or cuts to the frame, or something like that. Um, I think that could easily that that could easily happen, and it could happen really really efficiently. Now, in an interview, and I can't remember who it was with. It might not have actually been with a cast member. It might have been with somebody who was on the crew. Actually talked about filming the auction scene. And mm-hmm. I think this is pertinent here because the context of the interview or the, or the context of the answer had to do with Bilbo's character arc. And I'm trying to remember exactly how it went. I think it went something like that Martin Freeman was, you know, kind of discussing with Jackson the various ways to play it, um, you know, to show up the fact that, Bilbo was a different hobbit than when he left kind of thing and he has kind of like this incredibly angry outburst and is very um, you know assertive when when he sees the auction going on and I I think the point of this was they kind of played it some different ways anyway the point is you know they did do it and that um, that I think you know, talking about the auction and what you said earlier about some people say oh it doesn't belong or it could you know in the context of demonstrating his character arc right right Right. But that may end up being extended edition, and you know, material. At, in, you know, so. Or, yeah. or Or whether it's used at all, you know, he sees yeah. it in the mirror of Galadriel. <laughs> yes, right, right, right. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, maybe they don't use full footage. I mean, see that kind of thing, like where we actually get lots of dialogue and stuff. I do begin to wonder if there's going to be screen time for that. But does that mean that they can't even show it at all? See, it's not like the Scouring of the Shire, right? The Scouring of the Shire is an entire little narrative arc of its own. Even if they did it really quickly, you know, and like additional action scenes and stuff. I mean, it's, it's for them to have done anything of the Scouring of the Shire would have taken you know, a, a chunk anyway of screen time, even if they did it really, uh, really, um, uh, you know, briefly. But Plus, knowing that they filmed the auction scene doesn't mean anything because they also did film Scouring the Shire and he just didn't use it. So, right. you know, it could be a similar situation here. Right. Yeah, it could right. mean that <clears throat> we may just see like a sign or something. Um, 
I guess another question too is what might they do uh, with all the changes they've made to the story and stuff? It seems it seems unlikely that they aren't going to, you know, uh, I don't know. It seems like uh, it, this story, as they've told it in the film, is ripe for adding a whole bunch of stuff, for innov- doing some innovation here. Um, not just uh-huh. with Bobo, but maybe having some other characters accompany him. Certainly giving, I know, you know, you kind of talked a little more about the aftermath of the battle um, on the previous episode, but I kind of wonder if there's going to be a little more. Bilbo's going to spend more time with the dwarves, uh, right? <clears throat> um, yeah, time in Rivendell. That probably that's going to be a lot more involved than just walking through and listening to the elves singing in the trees. Right, right. We'll see now the Rivendell scene. I think that we could easily avoid the Bjorn house. Return. You know, I'd be very surprised if we get a return to Bjorn's house um, in the third film. But the Rivendell thing, I think, is going to be important. Uh, And the main reason is, my suspicion is that it's going to be in a Rivendell scene where we're going to need to attain whatever closure we do attain for the White Council plot. Um, You know, Gandalf and Elrond need to have a final conversation, possibly with Galadriel. You know, the three of them. Yeah. Uh, that that that's got to happen, right? I mean, it's got to happen, and that again, that's straight from the book. Uh, you know, Gandalf reporting to Elrond. It is it is the overheard, con- you know, it is the conversation which Bilbo uh, is sitting in on between Elrond and Gandalf, in which Bilbo and the reader first find out where the heck Gandalf went, which was to meet up with these other white wizards and and go kick the necromancer out of Mirkwood. Um, that's got to happen. So. You know, whatever else happens or doesn't happen in the return journey, that's got to happen, right? Yes, yeah, I would think it would. We're going to have to have essential. at least one scene in Rivendell. Yeah, it's got yeah. to. It's got to. But then how do we position that? Because, um, again, here we have to be thinking about transition into the Fellowship of the Ring um, and specifically into the Fellowship of the Ring film. Um, right. Well, Here's here's another question for you. I I am really interested in the conversation that has to be had between Bilbo and Gandalf, where Gandalf discovers that Bilbo has a ring. Now I'm thinking then that that makes logical sense for it to take place on the road, right? Doesn't have to take place in Rivendell. Doesn't have to take place at Erebor. Then my question is, do you think it would happen before, assuming the Rivendell? sequence like you just described? Would you think it'd be happen before Rivendell, so that Gandalf mentions something to? to Elrond or after Rivendell? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I think... <laughs> I stumped him! I stumped him! Well, no, I, I haven't decided. I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking. I, I know. Uh, uh, and I may be taking away from the Rivendell question by asking this right now, because I think this well, Gandalf-Bilbo conversation is pretty key. Well, I agree. And and it seems to me, again, I think about options, right? I, I, there are three options, it seems to me. That Bilbo and Gandalf are going to have a conversation seems almost inevitable. Maybe it's not. I mean, maybe what happens is that Bilbo never... I mean, we saw him almost tell Gandalf before they parted, um, you know, he wanted to tell him about the ring and then didn't uh, in that scene, which I thought was a wonderful scene there at the beginning of the Desolation of Smaug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, 
so maybe that's good. we're gonna, just going to get a recap of that. Maybe he's never going to tell Gandalf. No, he's got a Gandalf knows, doesn't he? Know? Gandalf knows. Gandalf knows. At the yeah. in, in the film version is what I'm talking right. about. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, though, remember in the book he doesn't. Right. In the right. book, or that I mean, he knows that he knows at the beginning of the Fellowship, but he doesn't know at the end of the Hobbit. Um, right. You know, so Bilbo, it, it's you know, he's he still has to he still has to like badger. Uh, Bilbo until he gets the true story out of him, um, which happens years later. Um, but but anyway, assuming that there is a conversation, or at least a significant non-conversation, like the one in the Desolation of Smaug, um, <laughs> where Gandalf is pressing and trying to, in you know, suspecting that something is up, but uh, but Bilbo refuses to tell him. At the very least, that has to happen, right? Right. So. That could happen in Erebor, it could happen in Rivendell, and it could happen in the Shire, it seems to me. I can't, I can't imagine any other circumstances for that. They could have that conversation in Erebor before they leave, right? You know, right, soon after Gandalf and Bilbo are reunited, or right after the Battle of Five Armies. Um, they could have it in Rivendell. Um, they could have it in Bag End, at the end. Um, in, and I'm or cheering. my choice, on the yeah. road. On the road, yeah, as they, as they like, on pony back. It's possible. Yeah. It's or possible. they're camping, you know, they're camping right. around the campfire and, you know, anyway. Well, but yeah, I agree with What you. I'm kind of hoping for is, I mean, and here, of course, I'm just sort of shamelessly going back to the book again, but I'm really hoping for some kind of a recapitulation of that, of the very last scene in the book, of the, of the you know, the tea party with, with, with yeah. Ron and Gandalf um, at the very end of... Um, of the Hobbit, um, it's one of my favorite scenes in the book, um, and of course, one always wants one's favorite scenes to be included in the film. Um, but uh, but but again, it does seem to me to sort of fit um, that this conversation would happen back in Rivendell and be because I think about the ways in which it could connect to the conversation that uh, that Gandalf had with Bilbo, the one where he you know does the bull roarer. Um, uh, reference oh, yeah, yeah. and stuff, yeah. uh, you know, in 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 unexpected journey, um, I could see a recapitulation. You know, again, like that, it would be it would be a, a a fitting bookend to that scene at the end of the third film. Now, Justin Crumley and I, I think, are on the same wavelength here because I had the same thought. You know, there is a still photo of Bilbo. And he's in. He's either in Erebor or Dale, one of the two. And he's wearing his, you know, blue coat. And he's got the ring out, and he's looking at the ring. Now, there's nothing. There was no description of this photo. What What struck me was the logical time that he'd be looking at this ring because he looks like he's kind trying to make a decision. Would be when he's got the Ark of Stone and he wants to get it to the, you know, like he's going to put the ring on to get past dwarven sentries and whatever. Anyway, Justin's point is he could see Gandalf finding out when Bilbo suddenly appears in the tent right. to deliver the Arkenstone or, or the Gandalf espies Bilbo suddenly appearing and said, so, you know, and then later or at that moment says what's going on, you know, so that there's, right. like you said, it could be at Erebor where there could be a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that yeah. still brings up my question of, you know, do we think Gandalf's going to mention anything to the white council? It, you know, in, f in the movie fellowship, you don't get the sense that he actually has shared this information with anybody. <sighs> Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe Elrond. Yeah, um, he might. And he here, might. of course, or I'm Elrond also... Or Elrond and Galadriel. Yeah, I mean, here I'm also thinking of 
the scenes in um, uh, in the appendix, and in, actually, I, th I think the scene that I'm thinking of is in uh, of the Rings of Power in the Third Age at the end of the Silmarillion. Um, the 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 behind closed doors conversations between Elrond and Gandalf that we get, mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, no, obviously they don't have access to that dialogue. No, you know, but they that's a simple enough things. scene. But they could yes. make a scene like that, like he did Easily. with the blue wizard thing. Yeah. Easily. I mean, heck, I was thinking of that scene when watching Fellowship of the Ring. You know, and uh, you know, like the 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 cranky Elrond scene when you know when Gandalf and Elrond are talking. You know, I anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are lots of ways that they can invoke that, and it's a natural enough thing. Um, but uh, but anyway, I, and he you know, could I telepathically could, have a conversation with Galadriel about it. Right, or Galadriel could be there. But again, this is another consequence of not having the full White Council as it's described in the book, right. um, by only having this sort of elite, you know, White Council here. Um, there was a dis there was a difference between what Gandalf was willing to say in open council um, in the book and what he said, like to Elrond. And Galadriel behind closed doors. Well, now Elrond and Galadriel are pretty much it, right? So, so there's there there isn't that same divide between you know something he would tell the whole whole council and something he would only tell them, unless we're simply getting he wants to hide things from Saruman. But, um, yeah, yeah. Now Yana points out that Saruman clearly is. Uh, you know, it, it, it explicitly says that you know Gandalf has been hiding. Um, this from him uh, in the Fellowship of the Ring film, which makes sense. Um, so I would presume that Saruman would not be involved in those conversations, but again, that seems easy enough. Well, and the other thing, I mean, you know, I, I have a very hard time believing that Gandalf would think this is a ring of power. I think he would be maybe concerned about this ring, but not sure about it, because 60 years goes by between now and the Fellowship of the Ring, right? I mean, come on, really? Are we really going to have to think Gandalf's that dim? Right. Well, you know... This or or that up... unwilling to act, you know, if he thinks it really is a ring of power? <laughs> this brings up a fascinating consequence of the way in which Peter Jackson has collapsed time, right? Um, <clears throat> in the books, there are 60 years between The Hobbit and the Fellowship of the Ring. And that 60 years is like just a, 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 a glimpse. You know, it's, 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 it's this tiny little uh, passage of time. Yeah, I mean, you've got the whole scope of the history of the Third Age, you know, and it's, it's thousands of years, and all of these things are, 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 you know, ha have been happening and slowly unfolding over time. It's been hundreds of years that the White Council has been, you know, suspicious of the Necromancer, and and it's been already, uh, you know, by the time of the Hobbit, it's already been almost a hundred years since Gandalf confirmed that the Necromancer was Sauron. So these things are moving really slowly. So the sixty years that have that come between the Hobbit and the and the Lord of the Rings is like nothing, right? In Peter Jackson's world. Um, from the beginning of the shadow falling upon Greenwood the Great, through the ejection of of the of the Necromancer and the Battle of Five Armies, 
is like a few weeks. <laughs> I mean, it's really short. Uh, a month you know. at the outside. <laughs> exactly. So the, the, the progress of the history of centuries, literally centuries, has been compressed into uh, weeks, um, months at the most. Um, and therefore, in that time frame, 60 years feels like freaking forever. I mean, I it, it's, it's like... How, Given the pace of how things have been proceeding, to imagine that this whole story is going to be wrapped up in another fortnight is almost impossible. How are they going to do? How is he going to create a situation where they do nothing for sixty years uh, in that scale? Anyway, I, I think it's. Um, I know. I, you know, I, and the I, thing is, I guess one of the other questions too. You know, I mean, do it's going to be interesting to see if they actually think Saruman's a uh, Saruman. Sauron has been destroyed. But Dog Guldur, because if if they know he hasn't been, then that would even lend more concern about this golden ring that suddenly popped up that Bilbo's been using. You know, I just right. mm. yeah, it, it, it is a good point because I remember I remember having many conversations about this. Um, was it in the Silmarillion seminar? I don't know. We who God knows it's been like <laughs> they all years, run together. It's been years since that, and just like basically the whole podcast is is uh, just uh, every day with Corey's Silmarillion seminar these days. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean that is that is the great thing about everything that's happened around you, by the way, Corey. That like it started with Silmarillion seminar, but now like basically the whole Mythgard community is just a giant Silmarillion seminar. Yeah, <laughs> everybody yeah. knows everybody. Yeah. But anyway, I, I remember talking about this a lot, where where people, you know, sort of. I don't want to call them naive readers, but fine, naive readers, you know, uh, get this sense when they get get a sense of sort of the time, like if they when they first read the appendix and they kind of get a sense of the time between like The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, but also the time before that the, in this, you know, when you read the history of Gondor and there's a sense of what is wrong with these people? Why didn't they do anything sooner? Why weren't they? Why didn't Gandalf figure this out? How could he not know this is the one ring? And and you and what we usually discuss <clears throat> in response to that is the fact that like you know just you you know modern readers make assumptions about the flow of information uh, yes and, and that that are just simply not realistic when projected onto a world like the kind Tolkien envisioned in Middle Earth where uh, they, they don't have that they wouldn't have had access to all the various pieces of information that would have been required um, to put all those pieces together. They actually didn't know that much about the rings. They didn't, you know, it wouldn't have been immediately obvious. They might have had suspicions, but they would have had no way to confirm it. They didn't know where to look. Um, travel took forever. But but as you point out, um, Peter Jackson's world complicates things because it, it wouldn't take that long to ride to Minas Tirith to go look at <laughs> right. Isildur's scroll and then ride immediately back to um, uh, the White Council and report your findings and then ride immediately to the Shire and check the – you know, like you could have had all this done in a fortnight. Right. Right. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, it, and, and that, that is a really important thing. I mean, the two things that people forget about is, you know, Dave, as you say, first of all, this is not a modern world with modern travel and modern information distribution <laughs> techniques. is not posting about this on his, on his Twitter account. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There's just, yeah, it's not, it's, uh, that's not possible. But in addition, the other thing, which is, I think, even more important, is that people are forgetting the 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 framework of the texts that is what we're getting in these stories is not an in the moment thing 
the whole framework, the whole theoretical sort of fictional framework of the story is that this thing that we're reading, you know, these books that we're reading are after the fact in hindsight compilations, mm -hmm. um, which bring together all of the things that have been learned over all of these 3,000 years, you know, in some cases more like, you know, 100,000 years or whatever, but um, but in any case, it, it brings together all of uh, all of this stuff and tells this story in hindsight, right? Tells the story in retrospect. Most, so many of these things were unknown even at the time. Even at the time, like even by, by the time the fellowship gets around, they right. still don't know. That, like for instance, they still don't know. Nobody knows what happened to Isildur. Nobody knows right. about the loss of the ring. They're not even like a hundred percent sure that it was that it was that it was lost in the river there. You know, so like when when Gollum says that he, you know, when it becomes clear that Gollum took the ring out of the river. That's really suggestive, but that's not even proof because they don't know for sure that that's where Isildur lost it, because nobody knows what happened at the Battle of Gladden Fields. Um, you know, even th that's one of the things that Tolkien makes really clear in Unfinished Tales when he does the disaster of the Gladden Fields, is he draws attention to the fact that all of these, you know, he he spends some time talking about basically how this record was put together. You know, here's the narrative of the disaster of the Gladden Fields, and here is the historical evidence upon which this, uh, this account has been, has been based, right? Um, you know, the, the archaeological work that was done under King OSR after the fact, um, you know, and the things that they unearthed and the conclusions that they drew from it. So again, even at that time, they don't know all of these things. So, so you know, a lot of people will say exactly as you said, Dave, like, why is Gandalf an idiot? Like, what else could it possibly be? You know, this, this, you know, this ring obviously has to be the one ring. Um, some of that, I think, is actually a consequence of Tolkien's writing process. Even when Tolkien wrote The Shadow of the Past, he did not have clearly worked out the entirety of the rings of power. You know, like the whole rings of power structure had not been worked out at that point. So... Um, there were more rings floating around <laughs> at that point than there later came to be in revisions. Um, but 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 still, it's it's just you know people are people are are, are forgetting the 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 information that we have when we read the books. We know so much more than anybody else in the books. Um, you know, because we are being given the benefit not only of everybody's information, but we are being given, more importantly, the benefit of hindsight on all of these things. We are, we are hearing the story being told in hindsight, and people forget about that. You know, in the movies, actually, you made me think of a couple of things. Um, um, you know, Sal uh, God. Now I'm going to call him. Now I'm going to call Saruman Sauron. Jeez, um, Saruman in the White Council, you know, extended edition clip in in an unexpected journey does acknowledge. I mean, it, obviously they do know at that point that the ring got lost by Isildur, you know, because he talks about oh, the, he does his speech over the ring has you know gone out to sea centuries ago when he's at the table and they talk about the dwarf rings it occurs to me and I think one of my buddies it might have been Justin that mentioned this too it occurs to me that Gandalf may think it's Thryon's ring and Bilbo may make it sound like he found it in the horde in the mountain right <clears throat> right possibly 
possibly. Because remember, uh, Saruman talks about, oh, there's the Dwarven rings, and they haven't been accounted for. You know, remember he has that right. little speech in the White Council. Right. So that may be how Jackson's going to deal with this, not not figuring out it's the One Ring quite yet, because Saruman's been saying all this stuff, and Gandalf believes him. Right, right, exactly. <clears throat> and remember, in the it, it, the rest of the White Council has to be lectured by Saruman on what right. the rings look like. Mm -hmm. Right, they don't even know. Right. Um, so yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all of this, uh, sort of takes us kind of far afield, but I do think it's important to think about where we're going to be ending up here, because again, if, if, if the War of the Ring is too imminent at the end of this third film, it's going to be weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this... This does bring things back to your 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 episode a couple of weeks ago. It has the same. There's the same problem, which is narratively, it might be more satisfying to end with it more imminently, but um, but logistically, uh, it, sort of in terms of in-world logistics, it'll seem somewhat absurd. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, maybe they'll just kind of. I mean, they could always just do some sort of sleight of hand here, you know, and basically have the films end, you know, on an ominous note with imminent outbreak and just kind of hope we forget about the fact that 60 years have to pass before the next film, uh, you know, chronologically occurs. But that's a cowardly and sloppy way out. That's, <laughs> that's, that's not really how... I mean... I don't. Th I, I can't remember Peter Jackson being as sloppy as that. Especially since he went out of his way. Didn't he actually put on the screen the text sixty years earlier, at the beginning of the first film? Right. So I mean, he drew attention to yes. that gap in time. That's true. So why we? Why on earth would he ask us just to ignore it later on? Um, Anyway, yeah. Justin Cromley says there must be something to convince Gandalf that this is not the Ring of Power. What would that be? Um, and this is where he's coming back to the possibility that Gandalf assumes Bilbo found a dwarven ring in the mountain. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, what is Gandalf going to be thinking at the end? You know, what is, or is he, maybe he does know at the end. And maybe he's just content. The other option is that he's fully aware that it's the One Ring at the end of the, at the, end of the third film but makes the conscious decision just to let Bilbo hold it. That would fit with some that, of the things that, that we that see. That would make sense. Well, except that in Fellowship of the Ring, we have him. We do have him going to Minas Tirith and delving into the And confirming, trolls. right. And he's got to yeah. throw it in the fire to make sure that it is. That yeah, it is. yeah. Or maybe he's just, well, I guess, yeah, I'm like, you know, they're like, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm suspicious about that ring. I think I'm going to wait 60 years and then I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to commute to Minas Tirith and, 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 and do some research on this. Someday or other, I'm going to get around to figuring out what the heck that ring is. But whatever. And I'm not going to talk to Sermon right about it for, you know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it'll occur to me to talk to Saruman about it later who's, on. And, and who's the uh, guy that really knows about this stuff? Right, I'm gonna wait until like uh, you know the Nazgul escape and everything. I yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, that's true. Darn it, that can that because that would be an open contradiction. If not for that, I would kind of like this. 
I would kind of like that idea, basically, of, of like a, a conversation yeah, between Gandalf and Elrond in which Gandalf says, like, yeah, okay, do you have any better plans what to do with this thing? Like, Bilbo has it now, and he's going to go back to the Shire, and that's really far from everything, and we can keep the Shire safe. And, um, like, no, is it a great plan? No, but it's better than anything else we've got, so let's just uh, let things lie as they are for now. That seems to me would be fine, except it totally contradicts what happens at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring. But what's the alternative? Just Gandalf being stumped? Gandalf not asking? Gandalf not knowing? This is where I come back. I think the simplest thing would be for Bilbo to hide it from Gandalf. Just not... Uh... Well, I mean, he could, and Jackson just leaves it hanging with regard to how, because people are going to say, well, then if Bilbo keeps it secret, how is it that Gandalf knows about it, you know, to keep Bilbo from taking it with him when he goes, or the right. fact that Gandalf knew that Bilbo was going to use it for his birthday party, Jackson may just leave that unexplained. Right. Hmm. Um, yeah. Now, I, I, I do have to say, you know, the thing about, the, the, the one thing in my mind that's against the idea of it being, the thinking it's a dwarven ring, if they know what the rings look like, and this is a silly one, but Weta is now selling Thror, the Ring of Thror, which I'm assuming would also then become the Ring of Thryon. And yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a ring with a gemstone in the center of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, okay, fine. Also, um, <laughs> and if, it, if they do construe it as a dwarven ring, it's, it, it, it would be hard to imagine... It would be hard to imagine um, uh, that being left as, go ahead and keep that Bilbo. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yes. Oh, it's the Ring of Thor. Oh, in that case, yeah, it's fine, Bilbo. Just, just walk keep, off just with it. Just keep it, it. Yeah, as a souvenir that's of, your, yeah. of your trip. That's, yeah. I'm sure Thorne would want you to have it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, and, uh, well, you know, here's another thought, though. If we go back to the, it, it, it couldn't be Balin. You know, if we go back to your favorite scene of Balin and Gandalf yeah, coming for yeah. tea, I could see it Gandalf coming for tea many years later. Not the total sixty, but many years later. And, fifty-nine and maybe, years later. Fifty-nine and a half years later, <laughs> yeah. or maybe right, right before you know, right before the party, and he says, "Hey, you know, by the way, I never told you this, but I have this ring that makes me invisible. I'm going to use it tonight." You know, I mean, that's, right? You right. Know, <laughs> Okay, so yeah, you know, I, I, I can see this seems like adding the multiplication of scenes, uh, which is dangerous to speculate upon. Um, I like uh, Gabriel Wilson suggests, what if Gandalf tells us he's going to set out to find Gollum <clears throat> so he can find out more about the ring? I like that. And then Gandalf spent the next 60 years torturing Gollum. <laughs> It took him a long time to squeeze that story that, out. That was like me. I, I don't think I did it in an episode. I think it was Corey and I talking offline at one point, and I go something about, hey, what? You know, we could see Gollum leave in the movie. I mean, it doesn't have to be any, any you know, as Andy Serkis keeps saying, no more Gollum. But, he, but then he kind of gets funny at the end when he says that because it's like no more Gollum. It's like he, you get, kind of get the impression it's like no more Gollum speaking is what he's right. saying. Right. Um, and then I said, yeah, we could see Gollum, you know, leave. And then he gets, you know, captured by Mordor. And Corey goes, yeah, that's 60 years of torture. Mordor is going to do. And at the very end is when he finally says Baggins' name. That's right. <laughs> Take them a, it takes them a long time to break Gollum in, 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 in Barad-dur, man. Um, yeah, yeah. That's yeah I agree a... with Pete. I, I do think, I mean, I, I will be disappointed if we don't see a scene of Gollum, at least furtively, you know, venturing out of the mountain. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, I, 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 I do think so. Um, there's got to be some connection there. Um, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I do think we're going to see that. Um, in the Council of Elrond, by the way, in Fellowship of the Ring movie, do we have the account of them having had Gollum and losing him? Is that in the movie? The the elves. No. I don't think I don't they think did. So. did that? I can't remember, but I don't. I don't nope. remember them saying that. Okay. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. All right. no. Nope. Much to my disappointment, I would have preferred that they just <laughs> dedicate an entire film to the Council of Elrond. To the Council of Elrond. Council of Elrond yeah. Man, so well, if they ever make an HBO series, oh, I think you can kind of count on it. I'd be so excited. Being... They just have an you, entire you, you, episode that's just them sitting. You no, know, you'd have like an entire season. Are you kidding? Like, <laughs> you know. Um, episode three. Elrond continues telling the story <laughs> of the Battle of <laughs> Episode four. Legolas tells Gimli that he's yeah a horrible dwarf. Yeah. Each right. each right. um yeah that's true. Each episode could just be like just an, an episodic you know an actual rendering of whatever story is being told at that moment. <laughs> oh, that could yeah. be a whole season of shows there. Yeah. Golly. Yeah. yeah. You're right. That would be excellent. I would love that. Um, man. It's amazing how little like purchase we have on what we think is going to happen I know. in this film. I know. Uh, yeah. Another thing to another thing to keep in mind. I know we don't want to leak in too much actual information, but yeah, uh, please. But please. rumor yeah. has it this is going to be the shortest um, Peter Jackson Middle Earth film ever. I'm just not. I'm just not it? behind it. I'm not. I mean, I. I, I don't know. But only say, if it's the shortest I, ever, and then it has like. 120 minutes of extended and when I say, footage. Okay. And when I say when I say rumor has it, I mean Peter Jackson said that. Yes, I know. I know. I, I, I think you're right. I think that there will be a lot of extended – I think there will be a lot of extended material because I imagine they have a lot of material that they could use. So I think there will be a significant amount, but it's you know like sort of at least the official word is we're really trying to cut this thing down, which – I, I, don't, I mean, I'm like, like my oh attitude my is, why start now? I mean, come on, guys. Why would he do that is exactly my question, too. Yeah. You really? know, I mean, I can see, you know, I could see both his own temptation to go to, like, a four-hour film, you know, for the third one, and I could see him getting pushback against that. It would be like, you know, Peter, let's not do the thing that happened in the Lord of the Rings film where each one was half an hour longer than the one before, um, you know, but to to cut back that far that is that's just really that's so radical uh, i don't know yeah, i have I, to say i i am i am strongly not in favor of uh um of that a short third movie yeah. well there also rumor has it jackson and i think it was at the comic-con panel where uh, somebody asked him if there were going to be uh some cut scenes from Lord of the Rings in the Hobbit movie, and he kind of didn't say yes or no, but he did say, well, we do have a few scenes from Lord of the Rings that haven't been shown yet. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. He's a good teaser, that boy. You know, he can really, and he can definitely, you know, like, what's the word, sleight of hand, you know, misdirect. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean. Yes. So here's maybe I another, here's another way to come at this question. What What do you think, what do they really need to accomplish with the end of this film, do you think, Corey? Like, in terms of story. 
Well, see, that's a, that's that's to me the really interesting question, and that's kind of what I was trying to get at when I was talking about the Darth Vader parallel earlier. Mm -hmm. Again, there was like a clear goal that had to be accomplished in the first three Star Wars films. Mm -hmm. There's not a clear goal. There's not a comparable goal that has mm -hmm. to be accomplished here. Um, we need to get Bilbo back with the ring, but that's a, that's a small element of the story. You know, we need to we need to set up the War of the Ring. You know, we need to have uh, to end up with the situation of the White Council worried, um, Sauron back in Barad-dûr revealing himself. Um, probably the seeds set for Saruman's the seeds sown for Saruman's betrayal, right. um, uh, and Erebor restored, <laughs> and Bilbo home with the Ring. So they're like a bunch of like sort of you know circumstantial things. Like there, there's kind of a, an end state that we need to get to, but that doesn't answer the question. Of what we need to accomplish like and now the stage is set for another story is not a good ending to a film there needs to be something more there right. needs to be yeah books need good endings yes yes well yes. and that would be one of the reasons that i would think that the frame narrative may return at the very end and still be in the same place and same time as it started because if you think of it in terms of uh, I, that doesn't really answer your question i understand but the thing is in terms of a, a, re, a viewer you know, segueing from film three to film four, um, you know, you basically pick up film four pretty much right at the same time you ended film three. Right, right. Yes, I can see that. Um, again, though, that's complicated by the very explicit way in which that's already been done at the beginning. So we can't do it at the end. You know, we can't, it's not, it, you cannot possibly join up The Hobbit films with the Lord of the Rings films more perfectly than was done when we saw Frodo setting off to go meet Gandalf, yeah. which is the opening scene. You so, know, I, I, I'm surprised he didn't actually save that till the end exactly, of the bookend. Exactly. Why didn't he do I that? Totally I mean, that would have made more that sense. At the end. <clears throat> but no. the fact that he didn't suggests to me that that maybe, kind maybe, of intimate link Frodo, is not going to be the end goal. Maybe Frodo, maybe Frodo will come back and say, oh, I got, I got word Gandalf's delayed. I'm going to wait for <laughs> That's oh, right. Well, I, uh, he's late. I'll try again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. But, but um, I mean, my reason for saying that really had to do with what you were just saying, which is that there's no clear, like, huge shift that has to take place like, like happened in Star Wars. No. Know? No, there's not. There's not. There's not any major thing. So then I come back to Bilbo, right? The yeah. book, um, and this is where you know it's it's at the end of the film I think where we see the pressure of the additional stuff that the films are doing. That is the pressure of the choice to put much more than Bilbo's own perspective to make this story into more than Bilbo's private diary um, to go beyond the published Hobbit to the whole Lord of the Rings prequel thing that they're doing, which again, I think is, is a perfectly defensible adaptation choice um, and, and a really fascinating thought experiment to try to do, here's the real big picture, all the stuff that Bilbo didn't know was going on or wasn't honest about in his own recounting about or was just clueless about in his own, in his own relation of the story. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's really fascinating, but it's at the end where that really seems to come into, you know, the end of the book is all about Bilbo's return, you know, and it's about what happens to Bilbo, you know, what, what he's gained and, you know, how his character has changed. 
that's no longer a satisfying ending to these films. You know, like, and Bilbo learned a lot and his perspective has changed a lot. That needs to happen, of course. We do, we will want to see that. But that can no longer really be a full and satisfying ending to the story. So when you ask, like, what is the end goal? What are, what are these films trying to accomplish? Where are we headed in this? To, like, you know, an older and wiser Bilbo is not a satisfying answer to that question, I don't think, in the larger context that we're being shown um, in these films. But it, it does have to be part of it, I think. Um, but this is where I keep coming back to Gandalf and the Ring. Mm -hmm. Because... The ring would seem to be, if, you know, if there is, if there is a Darth Vader in these films, it's the ring, right? You know, like you know, the, how the ring was found and how the ring came to be, and where, you know, how the how this, um, you know, this how the quest of the ring and the war of the ring was prepared, you know, was set up. Um, and so, therefore, that's why it's hard for me to imagine that the film ends with Bilbo just hiding it from Gandalf and Gandalf not knowing. Um, yet and i mean it, it would work logically you know uh, trish as you suggested before to just sort of leave it with gandalf still in ignorance and uh just sort of have us believe that mm -hmm. he will come to understand this later on you know um that somehow between the two films he figures it out um but, I think Jackson um, will get. I think Jackson will get a lot of criticisms from fans for that. But yeah. you know, I think he can weather that. I mean, that may be the most elegant solution. Yeah, yeah. Um. <sighs> hmm. <laughs> I agree, Dave. <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of a. It's sort of. It seems like it should be trivial, but it's. But it seems. But this is like a really thorny and perplexing question. All it right, really so, is. So okay, so so what do you guys think? Are we gonna get any auction or not? Totally. I I we I want there to be I I say yes because I want there to be. This was actually a conundrum, which you'll be yeah, answering. I believe in the auction. Next episode. Yeah. I believe in the auction, and I believe in it. As I said, I I believe in it because I think it could be done in less than a minute, and so I see yeah. no excuse for not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and I could see it in maybe a larger version of it in the extended edition. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think you're right. Um, I think it's a perfect opportunity for sort of a, a little bit of like lifting, uh, especially when it seems inevitable that some of the mood of the end of the film is going to be dour and that it's going to be yes. or ominous. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is an excellent opportunity for like a little bit of lighthearted to lift the mood a little mm -hmm. bit, a little lighthearted moment of Bobo's. Uh, you know, B B Bilbo coming back and he's like conquered. He's the returning hero and he's grown up and all that. And then he's going to go back into like scrambling Baggins mode with what, what, what are they doing with my stuff? No, stop. Right, you know, right. people are going to be walking off with his stuff in wheelbarrows and he's going to be running after them. Like, you know, <laughs> get that back, give that back. Drawing right, sting. Right. He'll yes, draw right. sting. Hold him a knife, <laughs> well, knife point. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's, you know, I think it could be made to work really, really well as well. I mean, that, that is, it fits with the larger themes, you know, thinking about the emphasis that film one placed on home and, you know, you've lost your home and here Bilbo comes home and his home has changed, right? You know, it's, 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 you know, yeah. there's like the, the sort of the, the, the comical and minor league version of the disruption of Bilbo's home, right? That And that he has to kind of go home and restore his house in the way that, you know, the dwarves have to restore Erebor. And I, I mean, it's, 
it's a comic shadow, but it but it sort of works and sort of shows, you know, nothing does stay the same. If Bilbo just comes back to the Shire and everything's just like it was and everything goes on just the same, I think that that's going to be really it's what I hated about the, you know, about the end of the return of the king people talk about like oh i missed the scouring of the shire i totally get why they didn't do the scouring of the shire and i even respect it i think it was a good idea to take out the scouring of the shire at the end but what i hated about the end of the return of the king was the fact that nothing changed like they got back and like right. there they are sitting in the pub and nobody else even knows that anything has happened and nobody thinks anything yeah. is particularly interesting or special about them the fact that the world has just gone on without noticing. I, I strongly dislike that as a move at the end. And I, he's got a chance to not do that again. You know, and I think there's even more internal narrative pressure with the focus on home and belonging and stuff that we got uh, mm-hmm. there in film one. Um, for and and the auction is like the perfect vehicle because you know Dave, as you say, it's also comic relief, right? So it's it's not you don't have to make it super serious, and yet through the comical auction, you can still convey this same thing, you know, and you can tie the mountain and the hill together in some really appealing ways. So, you know, to me, it's um, um, uh, to me, it's 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 an obvious kind of opportunity. It's 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 not. In my mind, it's not an extended edition thing because it's not a bonus. It's not an extra. I think it, 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 it could be. I believe the auction should be really sort of the culmination of Bilbo's character change, you know, and how they show his, you know, how they, how they show his return and, and sort of his world changing and his relationship to his old world. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do think that that's um, it's sort of more of a big deal than – to then just being shoved yeah, in. Then just like a, a fan service, just toss it in there. Like it, it really will actually serve a, a strong narrative purpose. Yeah, yeah I, I really do think it would. I agree with you. <clears throat> Plus, it would be funny, and I want to see it. So, yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> which is really more important. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my that's my maximally scholarly and objective uh, argument for uh, <laughs> Suppose... the auction. Do you think um, I know we're jumping around, but I was just reading some some of the listener comments. Do you think there's a, Do you think they could handle the ring through frame device somehow? <sighs> Not if they return to the same point in time. Would it be nonsensical to return to a frame to a sort of a? I guess it wouldn't be a return to a frame, but what if they jumped ahead of in time, but to a point in time before where they before they started? So what if they jumped ahead <laughs> thirty years? Right, right. Um, and, and, and what if like one of the last scenes was was Bilbo admitting to Gandalf, telling him right, Gandalf, Gandalf, uh, like waterboarding Bilbo until he finally tells him <laughs> the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> or, I, I kind of wonder. Yeah. I wonder if we'll get just get some something, even if it's. Um, even if it's a scene that's situated in the where the frame was before, but something that points to this notion of um, the true story or the complete story, you know, like uh, here, you know, because that's where we start, Frodo. I'm going to tell you everything now in this book. Some, right. some, even if it's just like a stray comment or something pointing to, yeah, I told Gandalf this 30 years ago, or Gandalf stopping by and saying, oh, are you finally going to tell Frodo the the complete story? You know, Dave, that's a brilliant idea. And it's especially brilliant because it 
it falls back on one of the things we've been saying ever since the unexpected journey came out, which was, you know, when we're asking perplexed questions like this and trying to figure out what they do, we should just remember that the that the odds are really pretty good that they're just going to follow the book. Yeah. And that, of course, is exactly what happens in the book. That final tea party between Gandalf and Balin and Bilbo happens, uh, quote, one autumn evening some years afterwards. Some years um, afterwards, yes. So that's exactly yeah. how the book ends, is yeah. with a frame not 30 years great. necessarily, but some years. Um, so, yes, we could in fact get that. Um, uh, you know, a return to a frame which serves as a kind of a, a sort of a transitional moment in, you know, both a, a transition between the, the film that we've been, you know, the story that we've been watching and the frame that we got at the very beginning. So instead of returning to that frame, um, I, you know, it, um, it definitely could, uh, it, that would be a little complicated, but again, it just, it, it follows the book. Mm -hmm. So it could well be, and now of course they, what they would change from the book would have to be, you know, you know, Gandalf doesn't like do his intense conversation with Bilbo about the ring, you know, in that final scene in the Hobbit, of course. Um, but that would make, that would make a kind of sense. Um, yeah, I don't know what that means about like what happens right before the credits roll, you know. That Oh, they're going to do just... outtakes, aren't they? Oh, no, that's <laughs> while the credits roll. They'll do that while the credits roll. <laughs> yeah, maybe they do a Marvel style mid yeah. credits uh uh clip. <laughs> right. They'll um... have it, it dancing like Groot did and Yes. <laughs> I think it's going to turn out that actually Thanos was behind the whole thing. Right. <laughs> right. Well, Lee Pace. Hey. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh no, Thanos is the other guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. We're being we're being we're being very obscure now for anybody that hasn't seen Guardians of the Galaxy. Come on, <laughs> all of our listeners. Includes me, actually. I have not. I've yeah. not seen. Get your button gear, Corey. I know. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really like this idea. I'm. I'm. Man, I really hope we get a Bilbo, um, uh, Ball and Gandalf tea scene. That would be so cool. Yeah. Now, I do want to point out that I did bring this idea up a little while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, it is a really important question. It is, I, I mean, I, I'm just coming back to the question which I just asked and realized that I've been kind of scared to ask. Like, I, I, I've, I've, I've not even let myself ask this question, but where, what's the last, what's the final moment? Before oh. credits roll. What's the final moment? We got the we got the gray havens, right? We got the ship disappearing into the distance at the end of the Return of the King. Like, okay, all right, the, the end, right? And then credits roll. That makes sense. Um, I thought Sam came back after the ship left. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we, we yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We we we, we get the sixth that. ending. Yeah, yeah, the sixth ending. Right, right. Well, I'm back. Right, perfect ending. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is all good. You know, I mean, we, we, we all of the closure, the, the 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 closure which goes up through the ship, and then Sam returning home. It's all good, um, but there's no there's no event like the Grey Havens, and there's no moment. Um, I mean, well, what about if we are actually still in the frame narrative, and Frodo brings Gandalf back, and then says, "I'm off to go handle party business." And Gandalf and he have tea in Bag End. I know it's not the same exactly as the book. There's no balance. Yeah, but if they, but... What, if, what if they retcon that and add Balin into the <laughs> <laughs> into the into the cart? Yeah, your friends showing up for your party. 
you didn't see him in the uh, at the beginning of the Lord of the Rings film, but he was there. Right. Oh, they, that would they, be they, pretty all, good. All, I could see them doing that. All they need to do is show Bag End from a different angle, you know, so you see Balin, you know, like snoozing in a chair in the living room while uh, Frodo and, and Gandalf are having this conversation in the other room. There you go. Uh, That's yeah, it. Yeah. Totally could happen. Um, but again, like seriously, like conversation around the table, that's how the film ends? You know? No. No, of course that not. That can't be how the film ends. It's going to end with a with the um, oh, Battle the of Dale gonna... epilogue. No, the eye's going to turn on a Veradur. <laughs> that's it's how it's going to end. Switch and like, Flipping the switch and like, you know, Sauron's ribbon-cutting ceremony. Yeah, yes. exactly, right. It's interesting. That is really, I mean... You know, this this cuts to like th this is actually in some sense one of the most important questions. This cuts to the very essence of what is this film? Is it the Hobbit or yes. is it a Lord of the Rings prequel? If it's the Hobbit, yes. it should end with Bilbo and Gandalf and Balin or Frodo or somebody sitting around the table having a conversation, reminiscing about the adventure uh, and how good it is to be home, and that you know, like, like the adventure was great, and I'm glad I went on it. But but now I'm glad to be home, and now I can be a Baggins and a Took. Blah blah blah. If if it's right. the Hobbit, it's that. If it's Lord of the Rings prequel, we need to have like a montage of what's going on around Middle Earth and where we're right. heading. We need to have a sense right. of momentum going into the other films. That, that's a really good. I I really don't know. Um, I don't, and I don't okay. even know what All I right. theory. Okay. Theory, well, theory. Jackson, okay. Jackson has talked about connecting it to Lord of the Rings, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, don't bother me with data. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, theory, theory. What if we get a conversation in which something like, you, you remember the end of, uh, of, of the Two Towers, you know, when we're getting them, like while Sam is giving his speech and we get the montage of, like, the end of the Battle of Helm's Deep and... Um, you know, but it's all like with the voiceover of Sam having his, having, ha you know, giving his, giving his impassioned speech. Um, I wonder if we could get something like that. So we could have, if, if Gandalf is involved in the conversation, he could be talking about how, like, yeah. you know, he, he could be giving a speech about the things that are to come. And, and yeah. uh, I fear that this is only the beginning and blah, blah, blah. I could go on for a while. And, and while he's talking, we get montage shots, which includes, right. which culminates with, you know, the ignition of the flaming eyeball. Um, right. But I don't think that's the end. If the flaming eyeball is what brings us into the credits, I'll be surprised. I agree. Um, I really will. Yeah. I think I'm in that Really? Because, well. I mean, I, I'm thinking it, it's going to end up kind of like the, um, which one was it? It was the second, it was the first part of the last part, last book of Harry Potter, you know, where Voldemort gets the Elder One and holds it up to the sky. And that's right. the end of the movie. That's kind of that's kind of the same kind of context I've been thinking in for the end of this movie. Right, but see, that's exactly what Dave is saying, though. Like, that's the end of the movie because it's uh, the end of the part part one of a two part right, movie, two -part movie, and it's yeah. the transition into this. Right, but 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 again, but but the point is there that shows what the movie's about, right? You know, it's yeah. about Voldemort's and 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 it's a really interesting and I think a, a really good choice for the end of that first film because that film is like ultimately establishing Voldemort's apparent ascension to power. Right. right? So we right. end that film with Voldemort is now returned and is apparently invincible. Right. Um, and that's, that's the, <clears throat> that's the momentum of that first film. Um, and then the second film, you know, will, will end up, you know, will be his fall. Um, 
so again, this this okay, gets okay, exactly I'm, gonna grasp, I'm grasping at the Star Wars straw then. Okay. Because then we see Vader be for, you know be created. So that would be to me the analog of the flaming eyeball coming on. Exactly, but exa- but that's exactly what I was just thinking. Sauron isn't Darth Vader. Again, that's what the whole story was, right? Again, you know the right. the, the entire plot arc well, of the first three Star Wars films is right. how did Darth Anakin. Vader become Darth Vader, right? How yeah. did how did Anakin Skywalker become Darth Vader? And so it has to end with the revealing. But right. the films aren't about even if they no. even if they are as Dave is saying, even if they come out in saying like the the emphasis at the end is not going to be Hobbit, but Lord of the Rings prequel. Even in that case, like the revelation of Sauron isn't the story. Right. The story, even in Lord of the Rings prequel, the story is the revel, the discovery of the ring and the, the, the preparation for, you know, the desperate gambit that the Lord of the Rings will be to destroy okay. the ring. Okay. And undo I got Sauron. it. Okay. The last scene is the ring and all that whispering in the black tongue. <laughs> the ring in Bilbo's pocket. Yes, or on the mantle. Whispering. On the mantle in a little glass yes. case, like in the Rankin Bass. So, yes. Yes. so one thing so one yeah. thing um one thing that I feel I feel pretty confident about is regardless of how they resolve this, whether they end on a Lord of the Rings note or end on a Hobbit note. I don't think it's going to be a negative note. I, I I really think, like this idea we had about Estelle, I think that if they end on a Lord of the Rings note, they will show Barad-Dur turning on, but it won't be the last thing. They'll counter it with setting up the Fellowship in some way. Right. Um, right. Showing us right. Legolas and like a kid Gimli and some baby oh, hobbits yeah. or something. But <laughs> I... I I don't I I kind of I'm very disinclined to end on a Lord of the Rings note, and I actually don't think they will. I think they're going to end on a Hobbit note. I think that they're going to bring it so back. Too. I think they're going to bring it all the way back down to where it started, not in the frame, but with Bilbo sitting on his front porch, with, you know, with a, uh, a pipe. I'm not saying he'll be on the front porch with a pipe, but I'm saying back to that kind of note. Yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. ah, it's good to be home again type note. I, I, I think, I know it's Lord of the Rings prequel. I know that's really what they did with the trilogy. But I do of think course, yeah. at the end they'll come back to The Hobbit. I don't know what yes. that'll look like, but I think they will. Yeah. Um, Brianna suggests uh, it would be nice uh, to end with, a, with, with Bilbo singing or reciting his road song. Um I wonder that that would be interesting <clears throat> um, for them to do a doubtless altered version. Um, I, I will be shocked if they do not change the road goes ever, ever on song from the book. Um, if they do it word for word as it's in the book, I will be shocked. Um, but, um, but that it might, I, I could imagine because that would be a way that they could they could expand it right because mm-hmm. that Bilbo's poem there is really sort of an expression of his of the change of his character. So Bilbo sitting there talking to Gandalf and and um, and reciting this poem or you know sort of making up this verse. Um, I don't expect him to actually sing. I would expect him to recite. Um, and uh, you know that that would be Dave, as you say, a Hobbit ending. 
right? That would be you know an, an ending focus on Bilbo's change in perspective and 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 you know his his new his new point of view on being home and and his recognition of the wider world and everything else that's going on. And those elements in that song would therefore allow them either visually to do the kind of Sam speech montage that I was describing before, going around and showing the opening of Bar the grand opening of Baradur and the uh, um, and the, or the grand reopening, I suppose, of Baradur, and um, uh, and and setting up things from around Middle Earth, as you were saying, yeah. while still maintaining the focus on the Hobbit. You know, so I, I I like Brianna's idea. I think that the song would, the, you know, the poem would enable them to sort of do the um, would, would sort of do those things. Um, mm. uh, and uh, and Brianna, I know that he does sing it. Um, you know, we do get him singing it as he's walking away. Uh, in the Fellowship of the Ring, you know, we hear him singing, you know, the road goes ever on and on down from the door where it began. Um, but I don't think that's, I mean, that's him singing it under his breath as he's walking. It's not, um, if that song is to be sung and to be used in the way that we're talking about, it would have to be used like the Billy Boyd song was used in the trailer. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it would have to be, it would have to be like, full throat singing in that way you know i mean it's not just going to be like you know the road goes ever on and on yeah. <laughs> that's you know somebody under his breath as he's walking that's just not gonna that's just not gonna work yeah um so anyway um i really like um i really like bilbo's that that, that bilbo's song being used for that um that i think would be a fantastic ending i still don't know i mean do they roll the credits Oh, no, they're going to roll the credits, line? but the Glenn, Glenn Yarbrough song is going to be the song they do when they roll the credits. <laughs> I would rather think about Star Wars Episode Three. <laughs> <laughs> then remember the Glenn Can Yarbrough song. Can you imagine? Song. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if he used that song? Oh, my gosh. No, you can't I would imagine, obviously. stand up and walk out. <laughs> Although, if that happened. And those be... of you who don't get the reference, uh, Trish is referring to the theme song of the Rankin-Bass uh, cartoon Hobbit, uh, which was the ballad of, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever it was, by Glenn Yarborough, which is just awful. I mean, absolutely, indescribably awful. And... Um, uh, and 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 really irritates me in particular because the songs in the Rankin Bass version are awesome. It is my one like almost unequivocal commendation. I, I dislike the Rankin Bass film in many ways, but the one thing I love about the Rankin Bass film is the songs and the music. They did a fantastic job, I think, with the songs of the Hobbit and integrating the songs of the Hobbit, except for the freaking Glenn Yarborough song, the one song they made up and repeat again and again and again, which is just like so not only irritating to listen to, but so infuriatingly brainless. I just... Ah. Drives me crazy. So Trish is just goading me uh, goading on, on, on that. Yes. On that, yeah. Hey, hey um, you know, moose uh, payback. <laughs> moose payback. Because yeah. <laughs> remember at the beginning of yes, the year, you, I remember. You goaded remember. me about the moose. So. Yes, it's so true. Ha -ha. I, kinda, I think I goaded you about the moose as recently as a couple weeks ago. So yeah. Yeah, yeah but I've gotten pretty... over it now. So. It'd be pretty. It'd be pretty funny if he inserted it somewhere in the credits as like an Easter egg, just like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
If you, if, you, uh, if you sit in your seat long enough, you know, if you go all the way to the end, then he plays it just for fun. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully he will be denied permission by the estate of Glenn Yarbrough or whatever. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, people right. are asking me about uh, the estate of Baskin Robbins. I keep calling it the Baskin, Baskin Robbins. Robbins. It's not Baskin Robbins. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, people are asking me about uh, um, uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy's uh, uh, oh, Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. I honestly admire I that song that. much more than the Glenn Yarborough song. Um, far, far <laughs> more. Um, the far more respectable piece of songwriting than Glenn Yarborough's effort. Um, Maybe but the anyhow. elves. Will be- Maybe the elves of Rivendell will be singing that song when he arrives in Rivendell on his way back. Now I'm just getting silly. I have to say, there's a part of me that would find it awesome if I... there were a nod <laughs> to Leonard Nimoy's Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. Um, uh, I would totally, I would totally, um, <clears throat> if, um, if, See, this is like a good reason why I could never, apart from the fact that I can't act, a good reason why I should never be actually involved in this because, like, I would totally have put in a, like, a, a an, an outtake. If yeah. I were an actor involved in it, like, there's no way I could have refrained my, you know, restrained myself from, like, making references to these things, hoping they Reversing would be... Reversing out a song, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I would like this to go all day, but we should probably actually move to the riddle, don't you think? Yeah, we probably should. We probably yes. should. Um... Okay, so the riddle is about, and we've been talking about the ring and sort of the fate of the ring and, and the, the sort of the fraught question of, uh, of Bilbo and Gandalf and the ring. Um, our question is about Bilbo's relationship with the ring, what that is going to be like. Um, so, so the question is, what, what will Bilbo's relationship with the ring look like at the end of movie three, not including the frame? So this is, again, of, of the... 60 years ago narrative. A, he keeps it in his pocket and regards it as a trinket. This is the book answer, right? Remember, uh, just to to sort of uh, refresh your memories, here is, in The Fellowship of the Ring, Gandalf commenting on this. Um, uh, He thought the ring was very beautiful and very useful at need, and if anything was wrong or queer, it was himself. So, so, so the book answer is Bilbo thinks the ring is very beautiful and very useful at need. Um, he keeps it in his pocket and uses it when uh, you know the Sackville Baggins come to call, uh, but uh, there's nothing particularly ominous about it. B, he keeps it in his pocket but is distrustful of it. C, he stores it away and doesn't use it. D, he considers it a souvenir and keeps it on his mantelpiece. <laughs> That's the Rankin-Bass answer. Uh, <laughs> And here uh, uh, we are just, I think, primarily teasing the Rankin-Bass film. If you remember the cartoon already. version. You remember the cartoon version. He he had it in a glass case up on his mantelpiece, you know, uh, kept super secret there. Um, but, uh, and then E is, uh, is, is, is none of the above. So, what do you think? Hmm. I could see B or C, perhaps. C, maybe. I mean, I could see C if, because in Fellowship of the Ring, we aren't actually told that Bilbo always carries it in his pocket. We know he's got it in his pocket because he's going to use it for the, for, the, for the birthday party. Right, you're thinking then, of the film here. In the film, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm only in the bizarro world of Peter Jackson here. Right, so right. we know he's going to use it for, the, he knows he's going to use it for the birthday party, put it in his pocket, and then he keeps it in his pocket because of that whole 
thing being demonstrated about the, the hold the ring has on him kind of thing. Um, so C could be, but here's the other side of that. If the ring has that much of a hold on him, he may try to store it away. We may see him trying to store it away, but he can't, and he ends up keeping it in his pocket. Yeah. I think I've just talked myself into B. <laughs> All right. One of the ways in which for me to understand A, B, and C primarily um, are levels of Bilbo's awareness of the malevolence of the ring. Right. A is very small or no awareness. B is some awareness of it, and C would be maximal, that he, that he, he, he definitely has a bad feeling about it, um, and he, so he, he's, he like, tries to lock it up, essentially. Right, right. Um, but um, A, you know, uh, uh, Yana makes a great point, you know, that he, he seems already to be distrustful of it in film two, at least that's how we were interpreting many of the scenes with, you know, many of those uh, um, scenes which were just Martin Freeman facial expressions um, in film two. I would include this. I would say if he goes simply into denial at the end, if we see Bilbo just convince himself that everything is okay and right. we know everything isn't okay, but yet if he seems to be in honest denial about it, I would say that the, that's A. You Actually, know, I, I would say that A is the correct answer. And that could be construed as more of the ring working on him. Right. In other exactly. words, to, to dispel his fears about the ring. Yeah. So, I mean, another way you could say, I said, you know, you, you could see A, B, and C as like different grades of Bilbo being, being alarmed about the ring. You could also see A, B, and C as decreasing extent to which the ring is successfully operating on him. Right. I mean, I, I certainly agree that... Um, it's not. It's not going to be possible for them to end the film with Bilbo in the same, exactly the same psychological state he was in at the end of The Hobbit. I mean, that's just. It's not possible. It wouldn't have been possible if Tolkien had been writing that, knowing what he was going to write. Um, I mean, the only reason The Hobbit, the you know Bilbo's relationship with the Ring is what it is in The Hobbit, is because the concept of the Ring being anything different wasn't in Tolkien's own mind. Um, uh, clearly from the and and this is obvious in the fellowship of the ring when we're going back and gandalf is is talking about how the ring has been affecting bilbo from the beginning um so you know that's something that we certainly are gonna see one way or another we're gonna see the ring have an impact on him so there's no question of it's not having any impact but again the question is if it's really successful in impacting him then he could he could be a you know he can okay. he, he, he could even be defensive about Maybe it. Maybe we'll get a ring-induced monologue where he maybe. talks himself into A. Ooh. Maybe, maybe, he will, maybe he will call it his precious at some point. Oh my I wouldn't gosh, be surprised yeah. to see that happen. Um, uh, or, you, know, or, you know, just to use the adjective precious to refer to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, I, now... But Sharon Hoff just asked that question. Will, will he even call it precious? Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be too surprised. I mean, Smaug, Smaug used the word. Um, you know, I could see Jackson having him say something. And he would, but he wouldn't call it the precious like Gollum did, but he'd use it as an adjective. Right, right, you know? right. Right. Um, exactly, exactly. So, um, so, yeah, B B would have to be he has a conscious awareness that it is dangerous to him and that he's uneasy about it. And I, I agree, that does seem to be, I would, that's, that's where I would conclude he is at at the end of film two. 
The question right. is, Will what's going to happen with him in film three? What, exactly. what is the end of the Bilbo and the Ring arc? Um, and I could definitely see the end of that arc being denial. Mm-hmm. 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 What do you think, Dave? You've been very quiet during this discussion here. <sighs> Man. I, I hope they do something subtle. I, I don't want to see uh, Bilbo engaging in Gollum talk or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, so, so book answer is A, right? It's a useful book answer is A. Yeah, that's I, right. I think I'm, I'm. This is one of those places where I'm, I'm leaning toward like, you know, comp- like our, our old, our old, um, no fail, but frequent, but often fails logic of <laughs> if you can't come up with a good reason not to do what they did in the book, just do the book thing. But I, I think the book thing works here. Um, with, I, I think, I think. Where, um, where, um, where Bilbo's orientation toward the ring is portrayed as as this has been a very useful thing on my trip and a wonderful souvenir and I'm glad to keep it and use it on occasion. But but then the film through some other mechanism suggest you know reminds us of of kind of the menace of the ring and and that this is ominous. On the other hand, they have already. Uh, you know, in the in the in the desolation of Smaug, we saw that they were already dropping hints of Bilbo having sort of an uneasy relationship with it. So I don't know, but I'm kind of leaning toward A. I, I I'm gonna go. You know, Laura Burkholt is one of the wisest people that I know, and she go always goes with the book answer if at all possible. So I think I'm gonna go with the Burkholt's route here, and I think I am gonna go with A. I do think he keeps it in his pocket no matter what. Um. But I, I think, Corey, I think you've got a really good point. I mean, I could see, and again, a Jackson misdirection also, you know, that we we assume that he's so smart. And he, but I actually do think the ring will work on him to where he gets to a point where he's like, oh, really? I, you know, I can't believe I actually was afraid of this thing at one point. It's, it's a very useful tool. I'm going to keep it in my pocket. Um, so I'm going to go with A. I'm tempted to go with C, uh, just sort of out of perversity. Perverseness, yes. Right. Uh, but um, the, my biggest problem with C is that I haven't yet thought of a way to square the C answer with um, uh, with his possessiveness of it at the beginning of right. the... I mean, right. like, yeah, sure, you can say it's acting on him even though he's resisting it, it's acting on him. But there's, there's you know... His attitude towards the ring at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring is obviously not this dangerous thing, which I have locked away for for safekeeping. You know, so um, uh, and don't we get the impression in his conversation with Gandalf after he comes back to to Bag End and after he disappears that this is something that he's kind of been using? Don't don't yeah. we kind of get in his conversation with Gandalf? Yeah. Yeah, Gandalf mentions that he used it. You know, he he you know that it was that yeah, yeah, it's definitely not something that he just held on to. He did use it not necessarily all the time, yeah. but not um, not, not but, just at the birthday party, but in other instances, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that he 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 was he was in the habit of using it at times. Um Right. But uh anyway, yeah. So hmm uh well, you can't pick A because it would just be boring. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going with B. 
you go with going B. with B. Well, uh, what I was just thinking about was I was trying to think of a I was trying to think of a rationale for the uh, uh, for the um, for the D answer, but I can't think of one. Um, obviously, the reason why it's on the mantelpiece in uh, the Rankin Bass film is that they're, they just use it as a visual transition into the Lord of the Rings, right? You know, at the end of the film, right. they do this they do this thing where, you know, he, um, you know, it's sort of, we, we, we get this still image of Bilbo snoozing in his armchair, and then, you know, it pans in on the ring in its glass case on the mantelpiece and gives, like, a, a really clumsy, like, and then the story will continue, which is an obvious segue to, you know, we're about to do the Lord of the Rings film. Make sure you come and see that film also. Right. Um, isn't, isn't it in Rankin Bass, too, at the end there where Gandalf makes that horrible pun? What you say has the ring of truth. Has the ring of truth, yes, yes. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yes, uh -huh. rings. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep, that's in the Rankin-Bass film. Mm. Mm. <sighs> but, anyway, um, uh, I'm going to go with B. Okay. I'm going with B. Um, uh, I can't think of an E, by the way. We keep putting a none of the above option just for the sake of thoroughness. Um, I can't really think of an E here. Um, but but I, I kind of like the idea that, I mean, the risk with the B answer is that there's really no progress. Like I said, it's my assessment that B is kind of where he is at the end of the second film. So... You know, there's the risk of like, well, and he's still going to be there at the end of the third film. Isn't that interesting? Um, but I actually think that the way that that could be worked out, um, especially in conversations with him and Gandalf, um, and that there's because I think that his own even even in film too, I think his relationship with it is really complex. We can see that he is drawn to it, but he's aware that he's drawn to it. Like you know, he 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 he's attached to it and wants to conceal it. But like part of him doesn't want that, and part another part of him is like aware that it's kind of alarming that he is, uh, like that he doesn't want to tell Gandalf about it, and and and, and I mean I, I think that there's there's a lot that we could see in sort of the depth and complexity of Bilbo's relationship with the Ring, um, if he is holding on to it, but not in denial. Um, and so that he and 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 there I even I kind of have the image in my head of you know Ian Holm dropping the ring on the doorstep of Bag End mm -hmm. in the Fellowship of the Ring film you know and mm -hmm. I I can think of some really fascinating ways in which that scene could have really like new layers of complexity um, sort of superimposed onto it in retrospect yeah. which would be really cool. Um, of course, watching the film, you know, uh, in 2001, isn't that when it came out? 2001? Yeah. Like, back when right. dinosaurs roamed the earth? Um, anyway, so uh, in 2001, when, we're wa when I'm watching Ian Holm slowly drop, you know, turn his hand and drop the ring, um, it's, it's just about his own decision, right? Like, can he right. bear to give it up? Um, but there would be overlaid on that also this like you know am i like what what am i putting frodo in for like do i you know and and his own like the, 
not only but I love this thing and it's mine and I want to keep it but like but I also hate the fact that I love it and want to keep it and I you know I don't know I mean I think that it's I would I would think that that scene would be really cool to watch again from the point of view of a B ending uh, of the Hobbit film so yeah um, let's see how Kate Neville is asking uh, is it E if it's on a chain around his neck that would be sort of E on a technicality wouldn't it um <laughs> Uh, well, but we know, he had it in his pocket, like in his in his in his in his waistcoat pocket, right in the in the in the Lord of the Rings film. Um, Bilbo never wore it on a chain. Um, I don't know if that would qualify it as an E answer, but we'll have to see what the vote is when we go to do the yeah crowd yeah. vote. Yeah. yeah, come on, I mean. Let's just say let's just say that that I don't think the essential parts of A and B are the in the pocket part. The part is he <laughs> the point is he keeps it on his person. Right, uh, keeps it on his person. Yeah. yeah. Although yeah. I guess you could argue if it's on a chain around his neck that implies that he that he's not that it's not accessible for use. <laughs> Except it's accessible to Frodo constantly in the world. Right, exactly. Yeah, oh, right. Uh, yeah, good point. Okay, so we'll, yeah, that was one yeah. of the things I was laughing about at the time when when I was watching the Fellowship of the Ring in the theater. You know about how the elves attached it on this chain around his neck for security purposes, and it just falls off at the drop of a hat. You know, mm -hmm. in the film, yeah. like <laughs> when he falls in the snow, and it. You know, yeah, yeah. I just love Shoddy that. Workmanship. Or that it's. It's long enough for him to put it on without choking himself. Yes. Right. Shoddy right. workmanship from the from the elves of Rivendell. Come on, guys. Exactly, you're supposed man. to be Noldor. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I I think I don't, yeah I don't I think I don't think you know uh, the the mechanism with which it is carried or attached uh, carried by or attached to his person is what's essential about A and B. Well, the official riddle is now officially changed to he keeps it with him. Yes. And okay, great. Right. Okay. 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 Right, right, right. Just to make sure that does, there isn't any confusion. Uh, does B right. preclude use? No. No. Okay. Not at all. But it's more but it's more A is like he uses it in a cavalier manner, you know, the yes. way that he the way yeah. that he did in the book and at the start of the Lord of the Rings or you know, it's it's closer to Bilbo as he's portrayed in the Hobbit. Uh, B is more like B is B is Bilbo from in his confessional mode from the start of the Fellowship of the Ring, where he's saying like, you know, actually, yeah, it's really been bothering me, and I I'm really kind of want to get rid of it. So, but it doesn't mean that he right. doesn't keep using it. He obviously continues using it in Fellowship of the Ring, but it disturbs him when he does it. Right. Right. I mean, just as we were already seeing in the second Hobbit film, mm -hmm. that he already seems to be disturbed by it, and yet uses it. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, but seems to, as we were, as we were, uh, um, as we were speculating after seeing the Desolation of Smaug, seems to spend as little time invisible as possible. Mm -hmm. Right. But um, anyway, okay. Yeah, I think. All right. So my more voting people only only seventy percent of people have voted. I know. A bunch of people who are holding out here. here, and there are like uh, at least five or six of you who haven't voted yet. Just so. vote. You can change it later. Now, unfortunately, I've done a I've done a kind of a cruel thing here, um, uh, which is I waited until 
the majority of people who voted for B had already voted for B before I revealed the fact that I was going to vote for B. So, like, doubtless many of those people are saying to themselves, well, if I'd known, you know, that Corey was going to vote B, I never would have voted B in the first place. Um, but that's uh, okay because it's not final until you hit it's not final, yeah. on the on the form. So. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, so all of you oh, smug, oh. all of you smug people who are like, "Oh, good, I didn't vote with Corey." Just wait till he changes his answer to yours. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly. right. By the way, as we're waiting for the laggards to to vote, I wanted to point out that on the for on the forum um, for Riddles in the Dark, which you can get to sort of circuitously by going to the Riddles in the Dark page on the MythGuard site, under the heading "Chat amongst yourselves." is the link for the forum and also for the registration page if you need to get yourself access to the forum. Um, anyway, one of the listeners has actually posted the form that he uses in two, as a PDF and as something else um, that uh, for, for other people to use, that he's using to fill in his answers for the game. So uh, if you want to go there, download that, and you, know, you can have a printout of that so that when you go to actually submit your final answers online, you'll have that as your reference document. Great. Does that make sense? Right. Does that make sense? So go, go to the Riddles in the Dark forum and you'll see the um, that D. Bacon has provided us very kindly with his his form, his, the form he designed. Cool. Cool. I didn't okay. change the number of people who voted. <laughs> yeah, well, guys. We, we did get a few more. I think we're, we're pretty close. We now. I, th I, think it's, close? I think we're okay to close it. Close it? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Oh, we got an E. Gee, somebody did E. I'll be fascinated to know what that, what on earth that person has come up with. <laughs> if they were, that are means willing, that they're willing to admit it. And that means that two people voted for D. I think they did it early on before they realized it was the Rankin Bass. Maybe. Maybe. We had votes there pretty quickly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's nothing. I thought it was the only, only one. Only with... one came in oh, quickly. One, oh, one came it? in no. closer to the end. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, here's here's like okay, here's a retrospective kind of argument for D. Uh, okay, no, never mind. I don't have one. Um, well, okay. In the context of the Hobbit, we do have like the souvenirs, right? We know that he's gonna he he puts his in the book he puts his his mithril coat and his sword, um, and he puts Sting on display. Um, so there is that sort of impulse. If we have Bilbo, um, I could imagine a situation in which, like you know, so C we were talking about C being he distrusts the ring so much that he keeps it, he stores it away and does not carry it around all the time because he thinks it's dangerous. D could be a kind of like no, he doesn't carry it around all the time, but he, but he, uh, uh, but he doesn't think ill of it. You know, he just regards it as another one of the trophies that he brought home. Um, so it's like, oh yeah, there's my sword, there's my mithril coat, and there's that golden ring. Um, but it's not because he particularly, it's not because he particularly uh, distrusts it. And presumably he wouldn't display it publicly like in, like in the Rankin Bass film. But nah, that's all I got in defense of D. <laughs> all 
Okay, so uh, I guess that's it. We're done for today. And forever, as far as the and game's forever, concerned. our final riddle. So again, to talk about what's coming up now, right. um, our next episode in two weeks will be our riddle review. So we're going to go through briefly, uh, and and here uh, uh, two weeks from now will be an adventure in uh, staying oh, within boy. our time frame. Yeah, we're going to have to. Um, I, I said to Corey, we're going to have to do like five minutes per riddle and conundrum to get through right. it all in a decent amount of time. <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, so yeah, so there's, um, um, we'll we'll be reviewing all the riddles in Conundra, and then and then after the the, the review episode, that's when the voting will happen, and the voting will be open. Let's say the voting will be open for the two weeks until the following episode. Um, but that's it. So you have to, if you want to be a part of the official game. I mean, I guess we could still leave it open for unofficial votes afterwards. But the official entry into the game will be done uh, <clears throat> four weeks from now. So it's right. time to commit right. yourself to your answer to all of these riddles. So we'll have so, the we'll have the review episode to help with that. But um, and then, uh, it, we're, and then yeah. did you say two weeks after the review episode is when we'll close it? That's when you. That's uh, when yes. Right. Yeah, I, that's I went I away for a second. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, because I I had not actually planned to have the submission form, uh, you know, ready until we do the review episode. Right. Um, so yeah. Okay. Good. Right. Yeah. So during that two-week period after the review episode will be when people will be submitting there. Right. So we'll have a two-week window. Yeah. Good. Perfect. Excellent. And then um, the rest of the year will be analysis of what we have, and and actually to tell you the truth, we do have a stockpile of stuff already. Yes between stills and, and whatnot and articles. And then after the movie comes out, there will be a, I'm sure Corey, you'll do your, cause you've always done sort of a single posted uh, yeah, reaction. reaction. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, after myth moot though, we'll, we will be reassembling for the uh, crowd judging ep- uh, episodes of riddles in the dark so that That's people right. who are listening live will be able to vote for the right answer for each riddle and conundrum. Yes, and if you think that that's like a shameless attempt to to like continue Riddles in the Dark after the, thir- the third film came out, it absolutely is. <laughs> um, because we were thinking that crowd judging is the way to maximize further discussion and to keep yes. uh, getting together to talk about these things that's right. for a little bit longer. So yeah, yeah, we're going to resist letting go. So yeah, so there is plenty more to come, and uh, you know. Yeah, and as I said, as I said at the beginning, the analysis episode is really uh, the analysis e- episodes. I'm really looking forward to. Um, you know, I love doing you know close analysis of the um, of the stills that they release. Uh, yeah. you know, of course, there'll be future trailers we'll be talking about. There'll be the Lego episode, Lego of course, which I can't wait. If not so, more than one Lego episode. If not, yeah, I mean, maybe. Well, I don't know if we'll be able to squeeze all of the Legos into one episode. That does seem like asking a lot. Um, we'll be, you know, we'll, we'll we'll be talking about the soundtrack when it when it's when it's released, if it's released in advance, like the others have been, and. Um, Oh yeah, the extended edition. When the extended edition. Uh, the extended edition, edition exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was just about to say. We will get the, the extended edition, and we will have probably a couple episodes on the extended edition um, uh, of Desolation of Smaug. So plenty, uh, plenty to talk about um, for the rest of uh, uh, yeah, I, for the rest of. I mean, I personally, I look forward to the post-film world where where we can put all of our time into complaining about how they did it. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> That'll be very important. Um, then we can go. Then we just, can go. Uh, I've had a nice sort of. I've had a, like a nice interlude from film bashing for the last three years of. Of you know being open-minded and putting us in the frame of like oh maybe this is an exciting opportunity to see what they do, and then and then when they've let us down and haven't done any of the wonderful ideas that we came up with, then I can go back to the way things were, which is stupid Peter Jackson's films. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. David looking forward to the reemergence of just like grumpy, close-minded Dave Kale. Exactly. Yeah, I know. It'll be great. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there will be there. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited because, you know, one of the things that really uh, motivated me to want to split the season in the way that we're doing now is not only the fact that the riddle game got more and more awkward as more and more things are revealed right. closer to the film, mm -hmm. but also because last year, especially I was especially conscious of it last year. Um, things kept getting like the the analysis kept getting sort of shoved to the side, right? Where we were right. like, "Hey, right. let's talk about the Lego sets for an hour," and then you know Trish would be like, "You know, we we do have a topic and like riddles that we we're supposed <laughs> to do today. Could we get That's to that right. now?" And, and that, they always ended up getting shortchanged, and they exactly the analysis, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so well, it I, took us three years. It took us three years to finally figure out. I mean, you know, right. Right. So ne next time it'll you know we can just leverage off of this whatever we do next time whatever Jackson announces he's going to do in Middle Earth next time. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Kate uh, Neville has a great idea. She says, "Can we do a vote on the worst decision of all six films?" <laughs> Actually, that would be a really great series, That's wouldn't it? To one. do you know for 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 twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen now for twenty fifteen to do yeah, uh, yeah. to do a like uh, you know. Let's all like let's have a discussion and vote we'll on like the, in, in the, the, the 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 things we like best about the Hobbit films, the things we like worst about you know the the, yeah. the best things about the Hobbit films, the worst things about the Hobbit films. Um, and, and, and by the way, I mean this is you know giving a little hint in, in uh, ahead of time, but we are I I believe going to be offering some extra points uh, with the death list. It'll be part oh, of yes, the, in the right. Dark yeah. submission. We'll have the death list, and you just check off who you think is going to kick the bucket in the movie. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There will be some bonus points entailed in the correctly uh, calling both the number and identity of corpses uh, at the end of the film. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I should probably go. I don't my, like I how it looks for pointing have, out, but I have literally yeah, two have minutes work, left huh? on my battery. Okay. Uh -oh. hey. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, very good. So in that case, thanks for listening and Godspeed.